And the fact is this, boys. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Kaya, and welcome to the first episode of the Curb Podcast for 2024. This podcast is recorded in Bulu, Perth, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. And my name is Andrew F. Pierce. Australian horror is experiencing something of a renaissance at the moment with the box office boom of Talk To Me. And alongside the critical success of Godless, Monolith, You'll Never Find Me, Bird Eater, and so many more in 2023. Yet, as we leave that year in the dust and we head into 2024, we want to start the year by continuing this celebration of Oka Horror with the new short film Bad Vibrations, which makes its world premiere at Flickerfest on Saturday 20th January in the Best of Australian Shorts Bunch. Writer-director Nicole Del Prado brings this one-shot horror flick to life, where one housemate, played by Erica Long, gifts the other housemate, played by Annabelle McLean, a music book for her to play on her theremin. As she plays one of the songs, she unknowingly summons a demonic force which causes a whole bunch of havoc in their house. In the following interview, Nicole and Annabelle talk about how they met each other and where the idea of using a theremin as a source of terror came from. They also explore how they plotted out the path of the one shot with cinematographer Stephanie Furtick alongside the other creative challenges they faced with the format. It's clear through this interview that both Nicole and Annabelle have an immense amount of respect and enthusiasm for each other's work, which adds to their support for the film community around them. And across this deep dive discussion, we also talk about the place of Australian horror in the future, as well as how they both see themselves in the emerging landscape of Australian filmmaking creatives. Bad Vibrations is an inventive, entertaining horror short that shows a group of emerging Australian creatives on the rise. These are a team to look out for. To buy tickets to Bad Vibrations, visit flickerfest.com.au and to find out more about Nicole's work, visit nicoledelprado.com.au And to listen to previous interviews and episodes of The Curb podcast, head over to thecurb.com.au Now, let's listen to the interview with Nicole and Annabelle. Flickerfest is, it's no small deal, as you know, getting in over thousands and thousands of, of entries. So first of all, congratulations for that. That's got to be a huge, huge achievement for you both. How do you both feel about getting into Flickerfest? Yeah, it's um pretty major, pretty exciting, um, to be honest. And especially to have a, this particular festival as our premiere is a really exciting one for us. Yeah, I'm excited. I uh, especially because Nicole's obviously in Sydney, so she can go along to the um, premiere. And I've never been to Flickerfest other than the um, touring. Um, yeah. You know how they do their touring circuit. So I've done that at um, Camelot Outdoor. I've done that a few. You know, gone along to some screenings. So it's just so nice to be supported by a big Australian festival. That's yeah, because we started submitting. We've started our sub- festival submission circuit. When was that? Like, I guess July. Yeah, a few months ago. But it takes like time. And the other thing is, like, it's so expensive to submit to the festival. So you try to get into early bird. Like, that's one of the hard things I find when you're making like a low budget, especially shorts, which is most of the time self funded because there's not money out there for it. Half of it is your festival entries. Yeah, which I think is a you know a massive thing. We can call in all these like 
you know, um, major favours for people that we've, you know, built good film will with and we help each other out in our projects, but there's still this, like, massive barrier to getting it seen. And that is even just literally the cost of festival entries. Was that something that was in your mind when you started making the film? Did Were you aware of that barrier for entries to festivals? Yeah, yeah, it's something because I've um, worked in a variety of different roles in the industry, including on the producing and production side. It's always something that you have to take into account. And it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a lottery lottery, and you're like, did you even watch my film? Um, Which, you know, hopefully they did and Flickerfest did. Yay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think, yeah, sometimes you just need that one person who's like, yeah, cool, I get it, I vibe this. Um, and puts it out there and then you um, start getting a bit of traction and other festivals um, want to come on board too. And, yeah, so whoever saw it at Flickrfest, we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, please go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the the concept for the short as well because it is, you know, as we're talking about, you've got thousands and thousands of films that you've got to compete for attention with and there is something that grabs your attention about a one-shot horror film about a haunted theremin so how important was it to have something that grabs your attention and goes yeah cool this is something I'm interested in seeing yeah I think um just for me as a filmmaker and my craft as well that was something that um I really wanted to experiment with and it's always something that I've wanted to do and it was also about building the right team who wanted to do the thing because the film itself um is technically difficult you know not only we're doing a one shot we're doing a one shot with real-time lighting changes and real-time makeup changes as well um you know we went all in on this much (laughs) um you know and we could have you know done you know shot it sneakily and done like invisible cuts and all this kind of thing and we're like no actually let's try and do it all in one take and see if we can do it and so we've got like all these eight minute takes um and because it was handheld and were handheld as well there's just that higher risk of something going wrong, like a little bump here or there and those sorts of things. Um, You should have seen me like sitting at the split, like minute six into the take and my heart's going, come on, come on, come on, we can do it, we can get there. Um, But I think, yeah, just credit to the crew, um, credit to um, Annabelle and Erica, who's also in the film and another producer on the film, everyone coming together. It was really, it was choreography um, with obviously the actors have blocking, but the entire camera crew felt really sorry for um, David, who was our boom op who had to try and fit around everything that, you know, in the film you can see the house, there's areas that are quite small, being able to move with the camera, move with the actors, not in the way any of the lighting, the shadows, yeah, it was just really like a dance between everyone involved. That's so exciting though. That's why we wanted to do that. I've always wanted to shoot, like I come from a theatre background as an actor. I've been doing film for a while now, but um, I've always wanted to shoot a one-shot a really long, good one shot because it's just so obvious when it's bad, <laughs> and like, and also when it's good. You yeah. know, you you have to perform. It's like theater. You 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 have to do it then and there. And I think that's really exciting. I like the challenge of that, and I like that everyone has to focus. You've got to. You've really got to focus. The whole crew has to be focusing, um, mm-hmm. not just the actors or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah and the, the, the crew was so involved on set like literally as Nicole was just saying you know you've got David there and um oh our poor DP as well like oh Steph she's so our opening shot she had to start in a squat position 
and I just like this her squat game oh my god <laughs> yeah, every every single time she had to do this squat and then rise up slowly um and it was just phenomenal um I was like you don't need to go to the gym after this one Steph um yeah and yeah it was really really fantastic from that perspective and I think you know it's one of those really alluring things about a one shot is that you, there's no cut so you can't look away um you, you don't just have like a moment where your your brain can just like okay switch off for a sec and then we're back in it. It's like you're you're on it, and your eyes you just want to see. It. And there's that intensity. And so I think that making a one shot in the horror genre as well, they really mm. feed into each other. Um, and I think that that's something for both myself and Annabelle. We love genre films. We want to make a genre film from the outset. Um, that I think that it just fit the style of storytelling within the genre, and that um, yeah, played played into each other. I really think. Yeah. So when it comes to plotting out the actual shot itself, how do you go about rehearsing that? Do you have a storyboard? Do you have a mud mat? How do you plan it? Yeah, I think this one was a really interesting one, right? Because so how it all came about is that Annabelle and I have known each other for quite a few years. Um, This all originated at the very beginning of the pandemic where a whole bunch of writers and directors got together and started a Zoom group where we would meet every week and chat. And that's how Annabelle and I met. And then we became quite good friends. We were in contact with each other and became like accountability buddies and all these sorts of things. And then um, Annabelle's moving to the US and we're like, we have got to make something together before she leaves. So um, we decided to brainstorm something together. Um, The first time we met was the day before the shoot in real life. (laughs) <laughs> she came so over fun. from Perth to Sydney, um, you know, with um, just relying on the fact that hopefully I wasn't a serial killer picking her up from the airport. <laughs> straight to calls. It was great. No serial yeah, killer. I, <laughs> I know. I was like, I just want to make sure she knows how to use a self-checkout. <laughs> we we are very backwards here in Perth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think what so... Um, I knew Erica from um, another project called Shippers, which is coming out next month. And we got along really well there. And so Annabelle and I wanted to make this genre film and we had some ideas brewing. Then I spoke to Erica and said, you know, I'd love to be involved. I know she produces an axe as well. Um, and I said, I want to make this one shot, but I've got this concept about this haunted theremin, but I want the location first because it's going to be a one shot. I feel like the story is really going to be driven about this location. Um, and Erica was like, yeah, let's shoot it at mine. I was like, Excellent. So um, I think that that really enabled us uh, enable in, in being able to have access to the location right from the get-go. So it started off going to the house, looking at all the different rooms, um, how we could build the sets, the set design, um, what uh, where different aspects um, or different aspects of the house we had access to and where we could move through the house to create really fluid uh, movements. Um, I think it was important part of the thing that keeps us so engaged in the film is that there's location changes through, throughout the film. We're constantly moving and going different places and that really gives a structure to the film I think and so that was um, something really important to incorporate. So once we had the location that's where we went away um, and I really started to think about okay what can we create within this space that's exciting and interesting. Um, as far as the theremin goes I think it's just like the coolest instrument in the whole world. It's just wacky. Like, I, yeah, I love it. I think it's like it, you don't touch it to play it. It's so cool from that. But that, what that means is just these like, yeah, it's just like the pinpoint accuracy that you need to play this instrument is absolutely wild. And I think that that's something that's always drawn me to it. And it has this kind of ghostly element to it. 
um, because of that, because you you don't touch it when you're playing it. And so, I, yeah, I've always been fascinated by this idea of, well, what if a theremin did become haunted? What would that look like? Um, and how would that play out? And I just thought, yeah, really, really great. And then um, that led us to having Moog, Moog synthesizers um, involved in the film, which was another great thing. Um, which uh, they gave us access to um, Jorik Chrysler, who's one of the best thereminists in the world. And so Annabelle had like this one-on-one yeah. -on -one mentorship from her. Yeah, she literally did a private session for me, essentially, for free as well. I couldn't believe it. She, she sat down and I had an hour-long Zoom with her. Nicole was on the Zoom as well. So it was great for us both to kind of see how um, how she works and how the instrument works. Uh it is a very challenging instrument. Uh, I obviously had to learn um, the actual finger movement so it looked like I knew how to play the instrument, but I, as you would have noticed, I don't actually play the instrument um, because <laughs> that in itself would have been a whole other challenge to add to the one shot, I can yeah. tell you. Yeah. But um, I still think I did I still think I did a good job of I, I wanted to make sure I was doing justice to the instrument and um, because we did have Prue as well, who is a thereminist who also yeah. helps on the film. So she um, goes by um, the name The Art Girl and she's a professional thereminist. Uh, yeah. One thing that was really interesting about this film in particular is it's a little bit, things were a bit quite a bit in reverse because we had to have this main theme composed before we even started shooting so that mm -hmm. Annabelle could learn it um, because it's so pivotal to the story is this, we've got this re recurring motif, this theme song that keeps playing throughout the film. So that had to be composed well in advance so that um, we knew what we were making. Um, Annabelle could learn how to do it. And so we had, there's a, I, you know, I'm from Western Sydney. I just happen to know a thereminist. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> there's, yeah, yeah, you know, just casually. Um, yeah, so I reached out to her. And so we were able to um, come up with this kind of, you know, I, I love this idea of like these iconic um, genre motifs where you just hear it and you just like get the heebie-jeebies because you know that song is from that particular film and I really wanted to make something like that with her but we had to do all of that in pre-production so that Annabelle could really execute that on set. Yeah, yeah that was quite challenging I guess with um, you know um, Nicole and Prue would film uh, yeah Prue doing the particular notes and things on the theremin and then I would literally just be trying to look at her specific finger movements through Zoom. Um, and, um, and the same with um, uh, when you guys sent me a rehearsal of the actual one shot, we had Erica's boyfriend sort of standing in for my character and they shot the whole thing and I'm there trying to fight, like I'm like watching this video, which was, it was actually so helpful, but obviously I'm going, where is that now? Like what, you know, until you're on set, it's a little... A little challenging but yeah we did do all of those things and organized obviously all the wardrobe and everything before we got there so we had I had some time with Prue um on the rehearsal day on the Saturday um and we rehearsed a bunch on the Saturday and then we shot all Sunday so it was actually so good having that whole day to rehearse um because I don't know if you guys have seen that movie Boiling Point which is that feature length one shot I was just like my goodness me like that's the the level of rehearsal you know we we just did a few hours really um for to shoot that and yeah we 
we nailed it there. I think we maybe went an hour overtime, if that. Uh, we were we nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the logistics of a one shot is so difficult, and you know, as you mentioned before, it's so obvious when it goes badly, and yet when it goes well, it's it's great, and it really works well here. And the the tension as well, because of the music, is so tangible too. And I'm curious, as you're talking about, you both like genre films and, you know, what's the desire? What's that that interest for you both to to work in that particular area besides creating something that is unsettling with, you know, a very uh, strange instrument? You you go first, Nicole. Okay. I mean, um, it's just really cool and fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, why are we in this? Because we want to make cool shit, right? Um, you know, we want to have fun and turn up on set and have a great time. And, I, you know, even on Bad Vibrations, I think that that was the one thing, that the set culture was fantastic. And that's something that's really important to me. Um, so to be able to make something super fun and ambitious within a space that I love to work in, I think for me, I also am really into sci-fi. So I love this idea that we can tell these really human stories in this like wild and outrageous setting. And I think that there's something about horror films, especially when we go into like the sound design of it, that really speaks to something, you know, visceral inside of us. And, you know, we feel it and there's, yeah, something primal about sitting in that space and being on the edge of the seat. And I remember... I, when I was in high school, I don't know why, but, you know, I used to get like the blockbuster special where you get like, you know, five movies for the week. Um, and I would love to just scare myself shitless. I'd like watch the movies with the lights off and then I go to the scariest part of my house and I'd love that feeling. And now like as an adult, I have to watch horror movies in the morning in the broad daylight. Um, but it's, it's that feeling, right? We go to the movies for an experience and this is what we're creating and, you know, surrounding yourself and immersing yourself um, in a, a different it's almost like a different bodily space that takes us away and just you know for these you know one hour two hours you're in that and you're in that moment and present within your body and I think for me that's that really is something that I love about horror films and sci-fi films yeah I'm more on like I agree with all the visceral stuff as an actor I've always been that person that loves to eat and drink as you know, I love like meet Joe Black and stuff like that, where there's just like the, anything Brad Pitt really, it's just like eating the whole time. And I just love it. I love all those visceral elements. I've been covered in blood. I've been covered in fake turkey juice, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just, and also then when I would do things that weren't, that were just more normal, like straight dramas, they'd be like, oh, Annabelle, you're being too big. I'm like, there is a space for this. There is a space to be big and it is in horror and comedy. So I've just sort of lent into that. Um, I don't really, in, I don't enjoy being scared. And I think I've become a bit desensitized because I'm watching a lot of horror movies at the moment because I have a horror feature kind of in development. And um, I, I watched, this isn't horror, but I watched True Detective last night, the first the episode of the new season. And I saw some people commenting saying, oh, it was just so horror. It was so, so scary. I'm like, it was not scary at all. I don't know what people are talking about. Um, so I've, I've kind of, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I just mm. lean into, um, I love body horror. Yeah. Um, I don't especially love watching it, but I do love creating it and I do love writing it. And I, that seems to be something that I have a knack for. So I'm just continuing down that path. The doors are opening up in that area. So we continue down there and we'll see what the dark space holds. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, Annabelle, because people are watching this 
Um, and there's, you know, almost like this new wave of horror films coming out of Australia at the moment. And I think yeah. that, that is fantastic. And, a, a lot, you know, this a wave of development. And if you look at what's coming up in the pipeline, I think it's super exciting, the stuff that we're going to be making over the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I'm asking is that, you know, look at last year and the year before like we've had an explosion more horror films that have been widely received than ever before um you know talk to me godless bird eater a whole bunch of different titles and that's not even including the short films that were out as well and it's just this area that is exploding in australia and i'm curious if you can both talk about whether that's exciting whether it's daunting how you feel about this current scene of Australian horror working today and being part of it as well. I think it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, No, like, honestly, I think that, you know, we, in Australia, and of course, my opinion, I feel like there's this perception of um, commercial and art are two different things. And I think we, especially with the horror genre, we can melt those two things. Um, This is stuff that people want to watch. And it's also um, things that filmmakers can use to, um, really get to the core of whatever it is that they want to explore. And I think for me that's super exciting because the more people are watching this, the bigger our film industry is going to get. I mean, we all talk about at the moment no one's going to the movies. Um, horror is a genre where we can make experiences. You know, you have these, like, marquee films where everyone goes out. I remember when Talk To Me came out, I went and saw it. I was like, Australian horror, um, I'd have to go and see this. And I actively went out to the film, to um, the film at the cinema and people actually went and saw that um, mm. for the first time in a long time. And that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, we packed. I went on like, yeah, like the opening night um, or the opening weekend. It was absolutely packed and such a varied audience. And I feel like with those guys as well, they the pacing of that film was just so great. Like you were just like, it was, you know, um, I guess similar to their YouTube stuff. But that's really exciting and um, like talk to me specifically uh, because it has um, hit internationally so well, it's done mm. so well, and even other like few meetings and with other producers, horror producers and stuff that I've been in, they've they reference that film as you know the opening up again of Australian horror coming to the top of the I don't know what the words are market or whatever. It's like the new wave of Australian horror is coming now, so it feels like there is an opening now, especially even for female horror writers and directors in this space. We've had so many horrors that are directed by females in the last year um, that are top. Um, And I think we need more of that. I have been going for a lot of horror events over here in LA and it is a great community, but it is very male dominated. And that's also another reason that I kind of want to be in this space because I'm like, I kind of, this is, we yeah, we need more female voices in this space. I think that to get people into the cinema, they have to have a reason to go. And I think that horror films especially lend themselves to the cinematic experience because of their sound design. There's a big difference when you're listening to a horror film in, you know, your 5.1, where they're coming from all directions around you compared to at home, even if you've got a great home theatre system at home, it's a different experience. So I think as far as what we are creating that's going to bring people and pull people to say I have to sit in the cinema, not I'll wait till it's out on the streaming services or whatever. Um, I feel like something like that is like, yeah, you have to go and hear this as well as as far as um, horror genre goes. 
I mean, even just to quickly name another film, it's a while ago now, but the Wormwood films. Oh, my God. The sound in that, I've seen both of those in the cinema, the second one, just relentless. The sound design in that, I just amazing. I cannot speak highly enough of those guys. Like, I that's what you want. It's just like, boom, this is this epic thing, like, for two hours, and you're like, <laughs> you know? It's just, it's, yeah, like Nicole was saying, it's this real body experience. We're like, oh, and afterwards you're like, right, I need to go and have a shower. Goodness me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like I, I talked to Kia about the, the last Wormwood film and one of the questions oh. that I asked him was oh, about the man. sound of the weapons. He's wonderful, right? And he talks about having those unique sounds that makes the film stand out and the weapon in particular makes it stand out. And your film in particular, that theme and that that motif is so important right to have that that particular thing just and it's you know i watched it yesterday and it's still in my mind of you know that that particular haunting aspect and i'm curious if you can talk about how important it is to have something that lingers past the actual film itself that resonates with you days after watching it yeah i mean well that's the goal right is you want people to walk out of the cinema feeling something um and thinking about it and i yeah i think that for me I've heard that song so many times. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, <laughs> sorry, what was that, Annabelle? I was going to say, you're probably over it or it's in your dreams constantly. It's in my dreams, but it's, you know, and it's still quite haunting. And, um, I, yeah, I think that if that can just kind of sit with people and, you know, it carries all the way through to the end of the film and the way that the structure of that sound changes throughout the film as well is something that was really important. Um, utilizing the theremin so obviously we've got the main motif but the majority of the music and the sound design is theremin based as well and that was something building those layers of um, the theremin and featuring that and showcasing that um, was something that I really was excited to explore Um, and yeah how do we create those layers and show that this instrument has all this versatility while having this main motif and I feel like that that combination and the way that we've played around with the motif throughout the film and the way that it lingers with you at the end. And it is the final thought of the film. It's mm. this motif of a song, you know, as you know, as the credit comes up, it kind of sits with you. And I'm hoping people kind of sit with that song as well. And it, stay, it stays with them for a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, it's no White, White Lotus theme song, but um, it's it's got its own vibe for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I'd be happy for people to do a remix of it. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I had no idea that like the electric, theremin existed like that like a modern looking theremin looked like that I, I kept on experience you know expecting something that was from the 1980s effectively but no there's there's a whole movement there so I guess for you Annabelle you can almost now put on your calling card to say you know experience in playing the theremin uh that kind of thing so you know it's oh, a unique thing I haven't yeah. added actually added that as a skill um, <laughs> to my actors access profile um that's a fun little actor's joke there for everyone um <laughs> yeah I yes I it was so much fun learning I went to um one of the oh, like a musical a music store in Perth I can't remember which one we went to but it was one of the few that had a theremin like there there weren't any there's not really they're not roaming around and um, yeah, just to like go in there and have a play before I flew over to Sydney for the shoot because I didn't want to just get there and then just not have a handle on like just even the size of it and things um yeah uh I'll um 
I feel like I'd need a, a bit more practice to kind of be able to justify having <laughs> that on my um, CV, but uh, or resume, as they say here in the states. No CV, no one knows what that is. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was super fun. I it, I love a challenge. I love the one shot challenge. I love the opportunity to learn something new, a new skill. Um, that's always fun as well. Uh, and learning about the history of the instrument and things like that, like fun learning more things other than just me acting a role. Like that's really exciting. Um, so yeah, it's great to have something finally in the horror genre on my acting reel. Cause that's sort of what has kind of inspired us, Nicole and I to work together in the genre space is sort of you know, writing feature films with myself to play the lead, but they're a horror and being told, oh, well, no one knows who you are. So, and you don't have any horror stuff on your acting reel. So why would we trust you to play this role? It's like, well, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff, but um, yeah. So that was also a big part of coming up with this concept was me going, well, I'd like to showcase these specific skills and Nicole going, well, I want to um, also direct this and I also want to write this and blah, 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 blah. So I think we've, yeah, we've molded, we've molded quite well and we're really looking forward to seeing what other festivals we get into. We've got a whole bunch on the list there. Nicole is spending fortunes. Um, I'm spending a tiny, not a fortune, but you know, <laughs> because of my $1,000 in the bank account thing, but soon I will be helping out again. Um, and yeah, we've got like a year, a year of, I guess, festivals to hopefully get into. We've got a few... That who who can we talk about that we've submitted to? I guess we could probably mention any, but like a lot. Yeah. We'd love to the usual, the usual suspects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a few yeah. that um, yeah, a few bigger ones, obviously, because you can't leave those out. And then um, yeah, lots of things like Sydney Film Festival, yeah. Melbourne, um, and the genre yeah. film festivals as well. I think mm-hmm. that that's great to find community there because um, you know, those are our people, right? Um, but Andrew, I think you really hit the nail on the head. You were looking at something interesting you just said earlier about this like modern instrument. You had no idea that pyramids look like this anymore. Um, I think that that is something that I really wanted to play with as well is that like, how do we make horror from new tech? Yeah. Um, so you've got like this, you know, in the story, it's like this ancient incantation, but played on this modern instrument. And what effect does that have? You know, you've got all these, you know, Black Mirror coming out, um, all of these, uh, horror AI type things um, and you know robots have been um, a subject of sci-fi and horror for centuries but you know how can we take that the old with the new and the mix there because we still have this interest in like horror stories and mythology and all these sorts of things just keep carrying through the generations and how can we update that with the world that we live in now yeah exactly and that's the thing is like it is such a rapidly moving world as well. So getting to see something that is really unexpected, like a modern looking theremin and having it have an incantation was really exciting. Like it's it's novel and unique. Uh, Annabelle, you're talking about needing to have that kind of uh, the attention of a horror film and having, you know, people being familiar with your work and things like that. I, I find that so strange because it's almost like, you know, horror to me has traditionally been the 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 ground that people prove themselves that get to say this is who I am uh so many careers have started off in horror and and have been launched from horror so it's frustrating in some regards that 
you know, people out there are still going, no, we don't know who you are. How do you prove yourself as horror? And it's maybe it's a blessing in some regard because then horror is still being, is a revered genre and it's, you know, such a, an acclaimed genre, but also on the same hand, it's, you know, going against the roots of it as well. It's, that's frustrating. I'm frustrated for you because uh, it should just be yeah. an easy, go for it. <laughs> Well, I think like that, you know, that's why we've kind of gone for it, really. It's it, mm. at the end of the day, right, as they say, you've got more power in the palm of your hand. My husband tells me this every day when I complain about, oh, what, you know, something to do with acting. He's like, well, go and go and shoot it then. Get it done. So um, obviously it's not as easy as that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like just taking control and going, well, all right, not creating more barriers for yourself, just it is literally like, all right, then, well, if I need some footage, off I go. How can I best create something that's going to serve, you know, Nicole and I were like, how is she wanted more um, to, uh, material for her director's reel? I wanted more stuff for my acting. How can we make something that's going to also elevate our careers as well and help us get seen? Um, yeah, and also that of the crew too. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think that that's something that was really important to us. And I think that what you're saying speaks to a, a bigger industry problem at the moment is that everyone's so cautious. Yeah. Um, there's not, yeah, not that much money around to be spent. And so people are, um, you know, we can't take a risk on someone. People really have to, you know, be able to be trusted with their money. And this is a big problem. You've got all these people who are perpetually emerging because of it. Um, mm. And you've got these really amazing voices of filmmakers and actors coming through who just don't get trusted once they get to a certain level and they can be making so much content in the short form space, um, even when you're looking at web series, you know, you have web series that go for 90 minutes, but they won't get funded for a feature film. Um, it's this really interesting contradiction and level of caution in the industry, I think. I'm, I don't know what the breaking point will be, but I'm hoping that it comes soon because there needs to be a confidence there. And there is this really great level of emerging filmmakers here in Australia who, you know, I, I'm, in awe of what's getting done in both the independent scene and also in the screen body funding screen is like supported uh, area as well. Like the amount of work that is just being done in this really creative manner. Like I think of uh, the film Paco, which was a really small Adelaide film cost virtually nothing. That's an independent film. The creativity in that is just exploding. And that was made without the support of anybody because they looked at it and went, well, we don't know who you are. We're not going to support that. And so there's got to be a breaking point. I'm hoping that uh, it sweeps you both up in the, the movement of it because um, it's exciting. What you've made yeah, is really exciting. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. all, I think we, this new cohort, we have this opinion of like we all rise together. And mm -hmm. what I've found is that we're filmmaking is a team sport and that's not just the team of the crew, but it's the team of everyone around you and your colleagues and um, the people coming up together. And I think that I'm, really excited for the future of our industry based on who I see rising with us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things, like you're saying, this is about supporting the crew. It's about supporting each other and all this kind of stuff. And it's not that competitive dog eat dog kind of mindset that maybe existed, you know, five, 10 years ago. Uh, and I'm sure it probably still exists, but it, it, it seems to be disappearing, which is comforting to see because support each other or you get lifted up. It's great. Yeah. I also think that just one final note there, the, the horror community in itself, like what I've noticed over here, the people that I've been meeting, like I went to Mick Garris's, um, like the postmortem, his last podcast live thing. Everyone was there. 
everyone like Mick Flanagan the only person who wasn't there was Stephen King and he did like a little virtual thing it was like ridiculous like every single person um and people were everyone was talking everyone was like uh, asking questions getting photos and mingling and asking you how you are and all of this and it's just so nice and the same with on the, during the strikes here they had a horror um female uh, and lgbtqi plus um uh, strike day and it was again everyone um and it's such a specific genre obviously not everyone is into it obviously so the people that are really there are really there for the genre and they just love it so it's i think the competitiveness just melts away because people are just so passionate about this genre and are such fans of it that they just want to be involved so yeah, yeah there's no I, I have not seen any pretentiousness with that over here which is not that i'm saying that happens in australia I, I didn't really wasn't super well immersed in the industry there um but yeah here i've definitely noticed that it's a really welcoming community um yeah. and people are obsessed they're obsessed <laughs> which is yeah. what you want yeah um i've taken up so much of your time and i really appreciate the the open discussion and about this wonderful film there's so much more i could talk about but uh we'll we'll lead into wrapping up I'm guessing probably one of the last things and it's something I've been asking about Australian filmmakers over the last kind of couple of years is about how much being an Australian filmmaker, the Australian identity or, or Australian voice plays into your work. Is that something that you consider? Is that something you say, I've got to make sure that I have an Australian accent? Like in talking with the the Talk To Me guys, they were really quite prominent in saying, we have to have Australian accents in this particular film because it's an Australian story. Is that something that you both think about at all? Um, I'll say just with, obviously, with Bad Vibrations, the reason I chose to have a standard American accent was because I was moving here. And the market here is is that, like, mm. you know, you're not wandering around with your Australian accent, unfortunately. Um, it's good to have on the side. But, um, yeah, I and then also... I am mindful of it because like a feature that I've written is a very Australian horror feature. It's it's called Tanami and it's literally set up in the Tanami desert. And it's, it's, it's Australian tooth fairy horror. It's like, it's the, it's nice. so Australian that the action lines, you know, when I've had other producers who aren't Australian reading it, I've had to clarify some certain things, you know, like they call things scratches over here, not scratchies. And yeah. like, this is the smallest things that you wouldn't even think are issues in in action lines um yeah, so well, I've, I've read annabelle's script and even just things like you know at the servo going to the toilet having like the spoon <laughs> with the key on it and stuff like yeah. that is really fantastic I mean, it's, it's, there's just up uh, yeah nicole's been an amazing help on this script for me um and i just i am so i i want to shoot it in western australia i i want it's a west australian set film i want Australians in it I want it to be totally Australian like I don't it, it's impossible to you know I've talked with producers and they're like oh well, what if we change the setting to Georgia it's like it's a different movie it's not just the setting it's like the dialogue the types of characters you got people wandering around with whippersnippers that's another word you don't use over here whippersnippers with thongs on like just you know that, that's in there it's like that they have no idea what that sentence is like <laughs> someone they just have no idea so you know I think I think it, um, I think keeping keeping your Australian work, if you want it to be specifically Australian, really keeping it Australian and being like, no, nope, that is that, and having uh, faith that, that will work out. And I think obviously the success of Talk To Me is great for that. 
kind of to just remind yourself that it's this can happen and there is an audience. Um, and then creating your own horror that can be a bit more maybe American audience commercial. Um, that's a thing too. Like uh, Nicole and I are both working on projects that are that fit both of those categories because yeah. I think that's the, that's the smart way to go. You need to be versatile. You need to show that you can't just be writing for Australia. And I, I don't want to. I, I would love to put Western Australia on the map after Wolf Creek, like, hello, Wolf Creek was 2005. Can we can we re-put Western Australia on the map with something else, like, you know, that isn't whale sharks or something? Like, <laughs> not that I've got anything against that. It's just, it's just it'd be nice if we see a different element, you know? Um, and, yeah, Nicole, you can, yeah. you can wrap I think up. It was really interesting at the start of Bad Vibrations because Annabelle uh, wanted to do her American accent for obvious reasons. And so we had this conversation with, do we make it all American accented with Erica? Um, and we decided to go with Erica's Australian accent. It's perfectly logical for an Australian American mm. to be roommates. Um, and I think that fit within the story world. Um, and I th- thought it was really interesting is if hearing those contrasting accents in the same space. For me, it is really interesting to hear. Um, as Annabelle mentioned, I'm also working on another project, which is an action horror, and it's absolutely absurd and ridiculous the amount of violence in this. But all the insults and the dialogue is so Australian, um, and I think that that's something that is a point of difference for it, uh, for a point of difference for it. And that's I think we are leaning into that now, and that's what's going to help us stand out in the marketplace. And doors have been open, like talk to me, but Bluey, you know, these kids who are saying things with an Australian accent now, and you know, older generations or my generation who have kids apparently um, <laughs> are are open to hearing this now in other parts of the world, and that is really exciting that they're becoming almost desensitized to our accent and starting to actually be able to recognize and understand words when we say them, which opens doors for us.